Hey, good morning, everyone. Thanks for coming out today. Don't you hate cats? Yeah, well, you should. Come on. I think it's biblical. Is that in the Bible? I don't like cats. Okay. That means it is. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's in the Bible or not. Hey, my name is Greg. I serve as the executive pastor here at Four Corners Church. This is uh, Pastor Nate, the friendly giant here on staff. Nice. And, um, I like that. What do you do around here? A little bit of everything. I, I'll do about anything you tell me to do. <laughs> that's, that's fair. <laughs> Nate is the uh, family ministries pastor. So if you have a kid right now, anywhere from about, uh, I don't know, nursery all the way up through high school, uh, Pastor Nate would love to be involved in their life along with the team that he leads here at the church. So yeah. it's a good week to be here. We are in the second week of this red light, green light message series. We began it last week and we talked about last week. What are some things in your life that you might want to consider stop doing? Some things you don't need to do anymore. And hopefully you were able to land on some things if you were here that you don't want to do any longer and you took some action steps towards that this week. But this message series really is based on the concept that is true, that we all, our lives are a story that's being told. Our lives are telling a story. And there are good parts to the story. Those are the parts that we like to share with our friends and our coworkers and the kind of where we're usually the hero in the story and that sort of stuff. And then there are also the bad parts of your story. Maybe you don't share those as often. They're the secrets you hold, or maybe they're the ones that only your spouse knows about. But everyone's life really is a story. But the good news, and really the reason we wanted to bring you these last couple weeks anyway, is because the reality is your story's not finished yet. You're sitting here, you're alive, you're breathing, and that means that tomorrow there's another chapter in your story to write, and I think that's pretty good news. At least I know it is for me. For me, it's great news. Yeah. So last week we talked about some things you might want to consider stopping so that your future chapters could be the kind of stories that God wants them to be. And this week we're going to talk about some things that you might want to consider starting so that your future story can be the kind of story that God wants it to be. But here was kind of... The, the nugget that is also true from God's Word, um, and we're going to extrapolate that a little bit in a few stories from the Bible a little bit later. We did some of that last week, but here's the nugget. The decisions you make today write your future story. The yeses and nos, the decisions around those things that you make today will determine what you do with your life tomorrow. Andy Stanley, who was a pastor down in Atlanta, someone I really like to listen to a lot, one of my favorite ones in the country, he says it a slightly different way. He says, it is your direction, not your intentions, that determine your destination. The decisions you make really do write the remaining chapters of your life story. And again, just to repeat what I said a little bit earlier, your story's not done yet. And so if you're sitting here today and you feel like you have a pretty good story, fairly good, and you're kind of proud of yourself... That's good. You can keep adding to that story as you continue to live. However, if you're like me and you know there are some things in your life that you'd like to see go a little bit better, the good news is you can work on those things, and life can get a little bit better. Maybe it's not bad. Maybe it's just that you need to get your life a little bit more in line with what God wants for your life. You can begin to do that as well. And what Pastor Nate and I are going to try to do today is not do what maybe you've heard done in other churches if you have a church past like I do. A lot of times when I went to church, I would hear a message and it would be very prescriptive. They would tell me what I need to do. That's appropriate sometimes because the Bible is clear that there are some things that we need to do. However, today what we're going to try to do is describe the reality that there are some things in your life that you need to start doing. So not 
prescriptive and telling you what to do, but describe the truth of the situation that you're not doing all you could do yet to live the dream that God has for your life. And told a story or pulled out a verse in the Bible last week that really is the centerpiece Bible verse for what we're talking about. And it comes from the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12. And here's what it says. It says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let's live good lives. Let's live them to the fullest. Let's really put a lot of energy and effort toward those. Do it well. We do this, though, by keeping our eyes on Jesus. And if you're a Jesus follower in the room, that really is what you want to do. A lot of times we say it like we want to make Jesus the leader of our lives. But we want to run the race in such a way that we're keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus so that he can be the author and the perfecter of our faith. He wants to be the author of your story. He wants to write the story that your life's writing with you. And so today what we want to do is just unpack that reality a little bit mm-hmm. and maybe add on to what we did last week. And instead of just stopping some things in your life, consider some things that you might want to start doing as yeah, well. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'm going to make a bold statement. Usually when I hear people say this statement, I'm like, oh, like you don't know me. But I'm going to, I'm going to say that, hey, I know something that is very, very true for you in your life. The reason I know it's true is because it's true for me in my life. And as I talk to people, I hear the story a lot, and I'm like, wow, I'm not the only one. So whether you're sitting in the room today and you are a Christ follower or not, the statement I'm getting ready to make is true, and it's also applicable to your life. So here it is. You want to live out the story that you want to live. Let me unpack that just a little bit because I think it can get kind of blurry if, if we're not clear. If you are following Jesus, there are specific things, there are specific desires that he has placed in your heart that he wants you to follow, which ultimately leads you directly to him, into a, what we would say, fuller relationship with him. Mm-hmm. It, it could look like being more in obedience. It could look like sacrificing a little bit more here. It could look like a, a number of different things, but all those things drive you into his loving arms. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, this very well may sound to you like, hey, I just need to kind of improve my life. Like there are certain satisfactions, certain desires, whether it's wealth, big house, fast car, high school guys in the room, hot girlfriend, you know, whether it's any of those things, it could look like it's just something that's going to kind of better your life. Now, you have to be careful, I think, on both of those sides. Right? Because you can have desires as a Christ follower that are bad for you. Right. Yeah, I mean, you can try to put yourself first, egocentrism. Yeah. A lot of us, I know I struggle with that. I mean, the enemy who is alive and real, he can try to put obstacles in your way. But the reality is God does place desires in our heart. He gives us hopes and dreams. Right. And he wants us to live those things out. And yet we don't happen upon those realities by accident. It takes a certain amount of intentionality. Well, it's, it's not by accident at all. I mean, if, if you are sitting in this room, you'll probably also agree with this statement. You'll probably also agree that, hey, you're going to go after what's kind of driving you and leading you the most. But in doing so, you're going to have to stop, as Greg talked about last week, doing some things. But on the flip side of that, you're going to have to actually start doing some things that are probably more important so that you can live out the life to its fullest, to, to your fullest desires for what really God has for your life. Right, and if you're a Jesus follower, these are those fix-your-eyes-on-Jesus kinds of things yes. that we're talking about today. Yeah, and so 
whether you realize it or not, if you're, if you're living out the life that you really want to live, what you're really saying is, hey, I want God to start writing my story, mm-hmm. right? I want God to be, as we read last week, the author mm-hmm. and protector or perfecter of our faith. That's what we want. The problem is, is that many of us are living our lives as though it's completely not connected, right? We make decisions today that we don't think will ever impact us tomorrow. And that decision that you make today will impact you tomorrow, whether you recognize it immediately or not. Over time, it will impact you. And so as your satisfaction and as your desires kind of ramp up and you start following those and chasing those, before you know it, you could end off way over here if you're not fixing your eyes on Jesus. And a lot of times, the decisions we make we know when we make those big life-changing decisions, and it's kind of, a, the, as Pastor Ben would say, those pregnant moments in life. Yeah. You make a big, those aren't so much what we're talking about today. What we're no. talking about are some of those behind-the-story decisions. Those, those decisions that people make in their lives who have great stories, and their biography is terrific, and yet it's those little decisions they made that led up to the big thing they did that really are what we're talking about consider starting, considering to start today. Yeah, so I mean, if you thought when we first started talking, like, oh my gosh, I've got to quit my job so that I can go do this thing, you're wrong. Don't quit your job. Yeah, not in this like, economy. No, Keep your job. do not do that. You know, we're not talking about making a giant leap forward. We're talking about the small things. So I think about it this way, like, if you want to have a million-dollar smile, well, some of that's genetics, right? But if you don't ever brush your teeth, come on. Seriously? You have the best genes in the world, but your teeth are going to be nasty. Bad. Yeah, no I mean, doubt about so it. So is your breath. Right. Um, Thank you. <laughs> not your breath. <laughs> I wasn't awesome. sure if that was real personal or what. There's a boundary <laughs> that's, here. That's awesome. That is awesome. Like, for instance, if you want to get healthy, almost two years ago, I said, hey, I'm going to start watching what I eat. Yeah. Now, if you know anything about me, I go from zero to, like, 9,000, like, quick. So all, it's like, all or nothing kind of All guy. or nothing. It's like complete life change. Now, that was unhealthy for me because really probably what I should have done was start with something as simple as like, all right, let me pace myself. How about I just start taking vitamins every day, <laughs> right? If I can do that, then I can, that'll right. probably lead to the greater things, the bigger things in my life. We're talking about the story behind the story today. The, the things that you start to put in place today that start to really prepare you so that when that big opportunity, so that when that big door opens for you, or when the opportunity is presented, a lot like it was in my life presented to me, you are ready to simply walk through the door. And it just makes sense. Yeah. So in my life, it looked like this. About five years ago or so, Suzanne and I started attending Four Corners. And my life was drastically different than it is now. I mean, drastically. And I remember the very first next bold step that I took it was just to simply memorize a memory verse. And so Ben gave it, and I said, anybody can memorize a memory verse, right? right? I'm, in, I'm, I'm doing it. And that memory verse was, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You still remember it to this day? I still yeah. remember it to this day. And I came back the next week, and guess what I did? I took another step, and then I took another step, and another step, and another step, and I stepped myself right on into a phone call from Pastor Ben where he was like, hey, you want to come be our student pastor? And I was like, whoa. Like, you know me, right? <laughs> right. And then as I looked back over my life, it wasn't this one big leap that I personally did. It was all the little bitty disciplines, right. the little bitty consistent changes that I made in my life that I tried to apply that made a huge 
impact, not only in my life, but I mean, the life of my son and my wife and my mom and my, I mean, it just reached forever. One of the things I love about our church is we get challenged every week by usually Pastor Ben when he's up here to take a next bold step. I remember we had a couple that used to go to this church that they no longer attend. Based on what I'm going to say, it's probably a good decision. But uh, they'd been here for a little while and they said, hey, I got a a problem I want to talk to you about. And their challenge was, we don't think the next steps that you guys offer are really all that bold. But... Simple little things like memorizing a Bible verse, while it might not seem all that bold, for you it was that one step you needed to take to begin getting your line, your life in line with what God had for you. Yeah. And so again, whether you want to call it bold, big, gigantic, it really is those little things behind the story that you do to get yourself in line with God's path for your life so that you can fully fix your eyes on Him and live the dream that He has for your life. And this isn't like a, a 2013 kind of reality I'm talking about. These same kinds of decisions that affect your future story have been being made by people throughout the course of time, from Adam and Eve on. And there's a story in the Bible I want to point you to by a guy that you might have heard about before. His name is Daniel. This is Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel. And um, it's a neat story. I'm going to set it up for you and let you know what's happening, and then pull out a couple verses that I think give some insight into why Daniel's story ended up being so great. It's a little thing about his life that doesn't get talked about a lot. Mm -hmm. It's not as cool as when he was in the lion's den and he didn't get eaten up and he got to walk out of there. Mm -hmm. But it's a little bit of the story behind the story. So Daniel was living in this situation where there was a king and that king had found favor with Daniel. Daniel had found favor with the king. And Daniel and a couple other guys got put in charge of all the governors of the states uh, in the land. Uh, That's kind of the modern day translation of what was happening. Uh, in the King James Version, they were called satraps, the, the governors were. But basically, there's people that ruled little territories. Daniel and two other guys were in charge of them. Well, Daniel had gotten a lot of favor with God and with the king and with the people in the land. People loved him. They went to him for a lot of stuff. He was really like, of the three people who were kind of in charge, he was really the guy who was in charge. And of course, like you would expect would happen, a lot of jealousy was breaking out. And so his two co-workers were trying to kind of catch him in a trap. Ultimately, that trap is what ended him up in the lion's den. But here's what it says in Daniel chapter 6 in verse 4. It says, At this, at the realization that Daniel was the favorite, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. So, that's cool. We kind of know that about Daniel. Most of the Bible story people, the heroes, they get to that point in their life at some point. But a few verses down, six verses later in verse 10, it gives the insight that I think really is the whole point of Daniel's story. It's the little thing that he was doing that kind of got him ready for the bigger thing. And it's what we want to extrapolate in your life today, hopefully. Here's what it says. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, this is the decree that basically if you screw up, you're getting thrown into the lion's den. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. And here's the point. Just as he had done before. Another translation says, just as he had always done. Even though Daniel ended up with a spectacular story, he had this discipline, is the word we throw around in churches a lot, in his life where he prayed. Not just sometimes, not just when he felt like praying, Not even just once a day. In his case, he prayed three times a day. He spent time with God so that he could hear from God and talk to God about what was going on in his life. That's what made him trustworthy, not corrupt, 
not negligent. It's one of those disciplines that he did, the story behind the story that led to something greater. So here's the question for you. What does God want in your life? What kind of story does he want your life to be? Does he want you to be like Daniel and some kind of great spiritual leader for the people uh, that God allows to follow you? Maybe, maybe it isn't like grandiose like that. Maybe he just wants financial freedom for you. Maybe you're so far in debt right now, you don't even know how you're going to pay next month's or this month's electric bill. Maybe God's dream for you is just to be able to have you be the person who is a testimony about how God sets people free financially when they follow his plan for money. Maybe he just wants you to have a spectacular marriage, the kind that when other people look, they want to get advice from you. They're the ones that, like, the younger couples always want to come to and say, how are you guys still in love, even though it kind of grosses us out that you're kissing on each other <laughs> and you're 70? How, how did you get, right? 70? Yeah, I don't know. 70, I'm, getting, like I'm getting close. But maybe that's what he wants, wants for you. Maybe he wants to write the story of a great marriage. Maybe he wants you to be a great parent, mm-hmm. the kind of parent that, who just raises their kids the way we all wish that we could raise our kids and who leave a legacy in their children. I know my parents have a little bit of that going on in their story. Maybe he wants you to be in better shape. Maybe he wants you to be on staff at a church. Maybe he wants you to be a terrific worker in the environment that you're already in. Think for a second, what is the story God really wants to write in your life? If you're a Jesus follower, what's the one he wants to write in your life? And then second, we just want to challenge you to consider what's the next piece of the story you could begin doing on your own to begin to write that story behind the story before the big thing really happens. Right, and let's think about, okay, we've just thought about what what do we think God wants for your life? So based on those thoughts, then what do we believe that we should do with that. What do you do now? Now that you're like, okay, I think this is what God has for my life. Now what? What, what if it is for you to have a spiritual ministry? And, and maybe it's not like be a pastor. Maybe it's literally just work your job and minister to the people who are around you. But the realization is, is that you cannot have a spiritual ministry without a physical body, right? So maybe... be hard. It would be really hard. But maybe the step for you is to start exercising so that you can take care of your health so that your impact can last longer and so you can, you can spread the word of Jesus and build into people's lives and live your life a certain way that really reflects what your heart is and what your intentions are. Maybe you're a workaholic, right? And maybe you do your workaholic thing in the name of, hey, I'm providing for my family. Mm-hmm. And then you justify out that the fact that I'm working hard, and I'm there for my family because I'm providing for them. But maybe your wife and your children are sitting at home, and they're saying, well, I would really just like for him to be home like one night a week so that I could see him. Yeah, and And maybe the story God's trying to write in your life isn't you were this great employee of this great company that did great things. Maybe he's saying to you right now, I want you to be a better husband first, or I want you to be a better dad first, right? Right. And so how do you combat that? Maybe you have just an honest conversation with your wife, or maybe it's professional help that you need. Maybe you struggle with your thought life, right? And maybe, like, you've believed the lie that culture's fed you, and if you're a guy in the room, you really believe the lie that, like, what you look at on your computer screen is your business and your business only. And so now you've got all this stuff in your head, and you don't even know what to do with it. And so maybe you need to just, like, memorize some scripture. I talked to our students about this a couple weeks ago, and I, I told a story of when I was in fifth grade, 
And a buddy of mine, we were playing out in his front yard, and he dropped the mother of all cuss words Whoa. in the front yard. You scared me when you said mother. I didn't know. <laughs> I know you're the youth pastor, but come on. Y'all get the point, right? He drops the big one, and the windows are up, and his mom hears it. And before you know it, his mom is out in that front yard dragging him in the house. And she shoves the bar of soap in his mouth and is just like trying to wash that bad word out of his mouth. Scripture memorization for me, that's how I think about it. I think about memorizing Scripture and storing that in my mind. And then how it starts to transform and change my heart. And about how it starts to literally wash out and fight against the things that I am putting in my mind, whether I'm intentionally doing it or whether I'm not intentionally doing it. And maybe for you that you're like, I just want to like feel more of God. I just, I just want to grow more spiritually. Maybe you don't come to church very regularly, so then like the, the step for you would be to, hey, why don't I just go to church every week? Let's, let's just go to church next week and see if we can keep that going. Or maybe you come every week. Right, but you don't really feel like you're connecting. But, but maybe all you're doing is coming and sitting in the rows that we provide for you in this room, but you're never getting into the circles to do life with other people who are heading in that direction. And that may look like a small group. It may look like a serving group. It could look like a bunch of different things. And, and maybe, you, Greg mentioned it a little bit ago, maybe it's financial for you. Suzanne and I financially have struggled from time to time, primarily our whole marriage. Up until this last year. From time even, to time, pretty much all the time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's just. I caught that. Let's just be. Yeah. I probably just sold it the way all of you sell it. Right. 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 But let's just be honest for a minute. Right. Suzanne and I, we never, we didn't get like an income boost this year. We got an obedience boost this year. Well, we decided, you guess what? We're just going to do our best to really just be obedient with our money. We're not going to try to sacrifice. We're just going to try to be obedient. Mm-hmm. And so we started putting into place things. And we said, all right, we're going to give to the church more. And this is not a plug for giving. Let me just tell you, as we started to give, God didn't like send us a big check like I was praying for. <laughs> right? Hey, I'm going to give, right? He's going to really give me right. back. He says, test me in those things. What he did is he then taught me and Suzanne the discipline of what it meant to really live on a budget. We stepped out and started doing something that we wouldn't do before. When we stepped out and started doing, Greg, God came right along side of us and made a huge impact in our life. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, you're a big Bible memorizer. I know you talk with the kids a lot about that. My kids do it uh, in large part because of you and your ministry. Um, This whole budget and getting your finances under control. The cool part about your story, and just to kind of pat you on the back, is you're a spectacular family ministries pastor. I mean, you treat our kids well, you love them, you teach them the Bible, you, you rally your team as good as any pastor I've ever known. That's like the, the final chapter, the good part of your biography, that <laughs> kind of everyone wants that kind of piece in their story. Right. But if you didn't memorize scripture, if you didn't put God first in your life, if you didn't become obedient with your finances, that part of your story is not going to be written the way it's written. And that's really what we're talking about today. Right. I mean, if, if I would not have taken, there was a part of me that wasn't bold, right, when I wanted to talk about finances with people. Why wasn't I bold? Well, because I wasn't being obedient in my life. So right. I'm literally just like reading the Bible and trying to say, man, if I could give you, you know, a dollar for every person I've ever had in this church over the last nine years who felt called to ministry and yet they never volunteered in the ministry that they were attending. Right. 
you'd be a rich man. There's something about just putting in place the disciplines of getting your hands and your feet and your mind or your eyes, whatever it is that God's working, whatever part of your body God's working on, getting those in line with what he wants for your life that really are transformative that allow the greater story to be written. Last week I talked about what we want to stop, so I was able to share a lot of the things that uh, paint me out to just be uh, a not great guy, and there's plenty of them. So this week I want to take, you know, just a second and pat myself on the back, the thing that no one likes to hear a pastor do, but... Um, of all the areas of life, I'm, 60, 70% of them are areas where I still need a lot of work. God's not done with me yet, praise the Lord. Um, but there are a couple things I've done fairly well. Um, but I didn't do them well because they were easy to do well. I don't, I don't do them well because it's necessarily even fun to do them well. Right. I'm doing some areas of my life well because I have some disciplines in place. So an example, I'm married to the same lady for 20 years now. Her name's Amy. Spectacular lady. We have a great marriage. Probably in the 20 years, there's been a, a three to four to five month period where I would say it wasn't all that great. We weren't, I, I didn't feel in love. Mm-hmm. The reality is the other 19 and a half parts of the years, we've had like an AA plus run. It's been a really good marriage. But before we got married, we kept our pants up and on. Mm. Um, that was a discipline, believe me. Um, <laughs> We, we did some premarital counseling, pretty extensive, actually. I mean, it was like 14 weeks of premarital counseling every week. We've done counseling since we've been married, even when we didn't feel like we needed it, just because we wanted to grow a little bit and the things that we could do for each other to make the other person a little happier. We set goals regularly. Two, three times a year, we sit down and say, hey, here's what I'm experiencing. Here's what I would like to experience. Let's write those things out. We actually write things out put things on a calendar, on a to-do list, and then we measure whether or not we're hitting them. All that to say, I wouldn't have a happy marriage if I weren't doing those things. There's a certain discipline involved in my having a happy marriage. My parents raised four kids who still love Jesus, who have God as the primary part of their life, who go to church on a regular basis. All of my parents' grandkids are actively involved with Jesus. I have a little, you know, question about my middle son. I'm not sure where he's at, but otherwise everything else is going pretty well. I'm just kidding. He's a handful. <laughs> just pray. But listen, pray. That, that heritage of following Jesus didn't come by accident. My parents made us go to church. Mm-hmm. There are several days I did not want to go to church, and it wasn't an option in my house. Even when I was a teenager and I was old enough to drive, my dad was, you know, the way he should have been. Look, you're living under my roof and eating my food. You're going to church. That's just the way it was in my family. Not only that, every morning before my mom went to work, she read us stories from this children's Bible that I still have on my bookshelf today. Every night before we get to be- went to bed, and I mean every night, maybe three, four nights a year we didn't do this, my dad would sit us down and read the New Testament to us. In my lifetime, I must have heard from Matthew to Revelation 15, 16, 17 times from my dad reading it. That built, those disciplines that they had with their family built a legacy that's still going strong today. There's a large reason why Four Corners Church even exists, what they did in my life and in Ben's life. That's the cool part of the story, the not-so-fun part, the discipline part, the part you got to make yourself do. Well, that came on the front end in reading the Bible, dragging your kids to church, making church a priority over things like sports Mm -hmm. and picnics and going to the lake or whatever it is that is your thing that you prefer to do. What's the story God really wants to write in your life? How do you, at the end of your life, when you're laying six feet under and everyone's standing around, what do you want them to really remember about you? If it's different than the way you're heading now, we want to challenge you to start doing something a little bit different. 
There's a verse in the Bible I want to throw up here. It's in 1 Kings. I wasn't planning on doing this as part of our prep for this message, but when I read it, it was an aha moment for me, and maybe for like five, ten of you, it'll be an aha moment. I think for me, and if you've been a Jesus follower for a while, there's this tendency to think that God's going to always bail you out, or he's going to be there, and I can have a tendency to get a little bit lazy with that kind of thinking, that somehow God's always going to come to my rescue. Now, he does come to your rescue, but this verse points out a reality that I think is 80% true when the rescue part, where God just like bails you out and you've been completely flagrant on everything you're supposed to do, that's like the 20%, but right. here's the 80% truth. This is about a guy whose name is Ahab. He's the king of Israel. They're getting ready to go into battle with the Sumerians who have a much larger army. They're sure to get defeated, and this is where the story picks up. Ahab's the king, and a prophet comes to talk to him about what he can expect. So uh, in 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 13, it says, Meanwhile, a prophet came to Ahab, king of Israel, and announced, This is what the Lord says. Do you see the vast army? Ahab had to be thinking, yeah, for sure. Uh, I will give it to into your hand today, and then you will know that I am the Lord. So that's good news. That would be the kind of thing you want to hear if you were the king. But Ahab, like you and I, want to know how it's all going to work out. So he says to the prophet, but who will do this? And so the prophet replies, this is what the Lord says. The young officers and the provincial commanders will do it. Even better news. Ahab's not going to have to go do the whole thing by himself. And some of the younger guys who probably, you know, a little stronger, a little better with the sword are going to take care of the business. But then here's the point I want to, here's the part of the verse I want to point out to you. Ahab asked the prophet, who will start the battle? And the prophet said, you will. When I read that, for me, that's a story of God's work in my life. Me too. A lot of the times the things that I feel like God would have me do He doesn't bail me out and just push me into doing them. God didn't make me go to seminary to learn the Bible better and to learn how to do ministry a little bit better. I had to apply and sign up and pay the bills, right? Mm -hmm. The person that's going to start the battle in your life is you. And then what God's going to do is he's going to come alongside of you, partner with you, lead as you let him lead, and the story that you write together is going to be a spectacular one. But you're going to be the one who has to start the battle. Right. I guess we want to just remind you, of what we said last week, or actually what Greg said last week. I mean, for those of you who are sitting in here today and you are following Jesus, you're all in, right? There is a big difference between, like, you could, you could interpret what we're saying as, hey, we just want you to, like, modify your behavior a little bit to make your life better. Well, if you're following Jesus, what we're encouraging you to do today, what we, what we would really love for you to do today is called spiritual transformation. Now, in Romans, Paul writes and he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That, in my opinion, is where change starts. It starts here, in your mind. You have to make your mind up that you want to do something. Unfortunately, a lot of times that's kind of where it stops, right? It never makes it into actions. I think it means time for us to stop. We'll keep going. I'm not done yet. (laughs) Me either. It it, it never makes it into the actions. And so what we want to do today is encourage you to, like, don't just intend to do something today. Like, that thing that popped in your mind, that one thing, when we first started talking, you were like, yep, there it is. Nope, 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 that's not it. That one thing that you you thought, that's it. So leave today not just intending to do something, but actually with a plan, with with a commitment saying, I will today start 
this. I will take a step. I will head towards what God has for my life. I will allow him to be the author of my life. I will, as Greg said at the very beginning, fix my eyes on Jesus. Yeah. I mean, the decisions you make today really do write your future story. Yeah. Even the little decisions. And I want to leave you just with the verse that I talked about last week that I think is powerful. Um, you, you know, Easter's coming up. And the great thing about Easter is, the whole point of that story is, a guy who was dead, Jesus, he came back to life. That's what Christians believe. That's what our faith is founded on. And there's a verse in the Bible that says something pretty powerful. And this is for you if you've tried to start whatever it is you're thinking. You've tried to start it before, but you couldn't do it or you tried and you failed, or you really wanted to once before, but you never really did it, this verse is for you. The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you if you're a Jesus follower. That's, that's big. I mean, that's, a, that's a huge deal. The same power that brings dead people to life, that brings life out of death, is alive in you. You can do the thing. You're going to have to start. You're going to have to practice the discipline, but you can do it. But it's going to have to be more than just an intention. Yeah. Because your intentions don't set your destination. No, your direction. Your direction sets your destination. So if you would, pull out your connect cards and let's take some next bold steps. Here's the first one. We like to do something with what we came and heard today and try to live it out. So the first next bold step might be for you if um, you are not a Jesus follower today. Every Sunday at Four Corners, we do altar calls, but we do them through the connect card process. And the first next bold step that we challenge you to take is to consider making Jesus your Lord and your Savior for the very first time. So if you haven't done that, maybe the thing that you need to start today is, is that one thing right there, to make that decision to let Jesus be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. You can do that simply by marking your card as an indication of what your heart is. We're going to send you a little email with some more Bible information and some encouragement around some other things that you can consider doing over the next few days and weeks. All right, the second one, we're going to do a baptism a little bit later. But if you haven't gone public with your faith, baptism is a big deal in the Bible. It's the way that once you've made the decision to follow Jesus, it's the way that you go public with your community of friends and church family and maybe the family that you bring to be a witness to that. This is the way that you say, look, I made the decision in my heart, but now I'm going to kind of go public with that decision. You get baptized. So if you haven't done that, mark that box. We'll send you an email with some options of the next four or five dates coming up and we'll get you on the schedule to get you baptized. So C is the next bold step for you today if you know the thing you need to start. So mark that box if you know the one thing that God laid on your heart while Nate and I were talking that you need to start. You don't have to write down the details for us. That's between you and God. But just mark that box as an indication of what you want to do. We're going to send you some more encouragements uh, on Monday or Tuesday to just help you down that path. All right, D and E. D and E for us is, uh, they're, they're all about Easter. Easter is the biggest day in the life of every church that's ever existed. It is the thing we hang our hat on, the fact that Jesus was dead and now he's alive. And we want other people to hear the story. We want people who don't know the story well, who haven't made Jesus their forgiver and their leader. We want them to be here because on Easter Sunday, we're going to share that story in very clear language from Pastor Ben. So we want you to pray about who you might invite, who you know in your life that's lost, doesn't know Jesus, who's living life without direction, not sure of the story he wants to write in their life, who you can bring to hear the gospel on Easter Sunday. Now, you might have marked that last week. That's good if you did, but several of you weren't here. So just mark D, and we want to pray with you that God would open the door for you to make the ask. All right, and then finally, we've been in this new facility since about December 9th. I think it was our first Sunday. So not very long. That's why we don't have all the light stuff working right. Um, 
the reality is it took a decent amount of money to get in here. Great. That's what it takes to make the world go around, right? Money. We'd like to invite 10,000 of our neighboring families around here to come be part of the Easter celebration here. We just can't afford to do it. We want to send them a mailer uh, that says, hey, come to church at that big uh, new building that you see with the big bright green lights when you drive by it on Interstate 75. Come to Easter there if you don't have a church home. We would like you to consider helping us make that a reality. We don't have the money to do it. We have enough money to do about 2,000 pieces. That's what we're going to do unless more money comes in. But we need the money in like the next two weeks. So if you can, without, you know, foregoing paying your electric bill or whatever, we'd love for you to give to the Easter offering and let us do that and invite our community to come experience what God's doing here in this church. So let's pray. Then we're going to sing a song. The band's going to sing a, a song as we reflect on some of the things we talked about today. So pray with me if you would. God, we love you so much, and we're grateful that you're not finished with us yet. That because we're sitting here today and we're alive and we have breath, there is still time to edit and cut and remake our story. So God, today I ask that you give us boldness to live out the dreams that you've placed in our hearts, the ones that honor you, the ones that keep our eyes fixed on you. God, give us a boldness to actually do something with what you laid on our hearts to do today. God, also thank you for the people who took next bold step A, who want to make you their forgiver and the leader of their lives. We're grateful that you use the humble servants at this church to bring about your purposes in this world. God, thank you so much. And as we go into our normal routines of life, whether it's work or school or just staying at home, I ask that you give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear all that you have for us. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.